whatever you imagine it to be it is otherwise. I mean, it's like in the practice of meditation and, and you have a lot of ideas about what things are and then you're, then you're coming from already a, a, a bias or some an imagined view of what it should be. And like trying to chain the jhanas uh, <coughs> through reading Visuddhimagga is, uh, is almost impossible because you're, because you're, uh, you're imagining these states. You don't know what piti and sukha are. You don't, you're, or vidaka or, uh, vichara, piti, sukha, ekagata. And so you're, you're always trying to imagine them into, you have a view or you have uh, some, some already preconceived idea or you think you understand it and, uh, and therefore when you're trying to attain these stages from the position of having a, a view then you end up with despair. So that's why like, uh, with, with uh, Lung Po Cha's approach to practice was to, to not form views but to, to watch and listen to and try to apply the teachings to experience so you actually know what <coughs> pity or rapture is as, a, as an experience. Because if you, I mean, just the word rapture, <coughs> to me, is a very misleading uh, definition. Because uh, my, my American view of rapture is very California. <coughs> so, I mean, it, uh, that was very misleading. You know, you're sitting there and you're supposed to go into rapture and you think, you're supposed to go into some kind of ecstasy, rapturous state of like you're on a drug or something. And so, and then, uh, and then sukha. The difference between rapture, pity, and sukha was just never, was never, ever. You know, just the mind just never contemplated the difference of that in in the layman's life. <coughs> I mean, Americans speak in broad generalizations and and huge categorical uh, groups. So, I mean, you're in terms of absolutely fantastic is applying to almost everything pleasurable. <laughs> I mean, language itself has to be understood how it affects the mind. You know, your 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 uh, because it is a skillful tool. Language is something, you know, it's something that we're, we're uh, instilled. We start learning to speak when we're very innocent. And, and uh, we pick up all the language habits of our parents and peers. So, I mean, it, and, and the assumptions that go along with the language, the cult, all the cultural assumptions that go along with that kind of thinking. Uh, and so you're, it's part of the, you know, what you get from your karmic <coughs> inheritance. And, from being born into that family and that class or that ethnic group. And this is, uh, so that, that uh, sometimes we think we really understand our own language. Like with English, it, because it's my native tongue, I, one could just assume you, you know, I really understood the English, the, the words and meanings of English language. but. The problem with your own native language is that sometimes you don't understand it very well because it's habit. You can just rattle on, I can just rattle on in English, you know, completely heedless and just, you can say things and it'll bring up 
reactions, you know, from and you say this and then I say that and it's just very reactive kind of uh, chit-chat and uh, kind of natterings that, that go on just in with and you see it in like when Americans get together there's an American uh, kind of conditioning that, that, that is part of this being born and brought up in that country or you can see it with British people certain kind of assumptions and uh, and humor and and things that are come from childhood that all people all British people experience that are different or uh, than say what you you'd find in America different assumptions different emphases and so it's a, it's a very conditioned thing you know the, these identities of of being British or American or <coughs> working class or middle class, whatever. European seems to be the, uh, seems to be the, the, I mean that's what you're, we're kind of rising up to now here, isn't it? To, to being Europeans. It's broader, broader category. And I like, I mean I like the idea of being European. You know I'm American. Americans never think of themselves as Europeans. It just never occurs to us we're Europeans. Until you go to some place and then, and then they, they, they racially define you as being colored or European or something like that. And you think, well, I'm not colored. I'm not European. What, what, where do I go? <laughs> In South Africa they used to do that. I heard they have signs, you know, saying, Europeans through here, colored people through there, and you know, racist, uh, apartheid uh, things. And so Americans, where do we fit into that? To those two categories? Because culturally, you don't you don't think of yourself in terms of being European. But these are these just learning how to use language, isn't it? What is the, you know, if we like we're living here in Europe and we're we're this is we we now say in a in a situation where there has to be much more close cooperation and all these old kind of cultural hang ups and, and, and attachments and prejudices are you know, they can they're no longer uh, something to uh, give a lot of importance to or to to regard as that which defines you. So you you relating to a to a maybe larger Categories such as European, and then human. We say here on the human level, we, we're getting beyond, say, the gender differences or the cultural differences, class differences into human. This is the human category. So you can see, you can see how your mind works. You can define yourself in very limited terms of, you know, just uh, I'm this this person from this family and this place, that's me and that makes almost, that's everyone as a kind of external to me I'm totally kind of stuck in my my own very narrow identities and, and ideas of myself and then you can expand that into like, like Sangha is an expansion isn't it of, from the individual self-centeredness to to the group of 
those who practice the Dhamma. So it's a, it's a perception, yes, but it's a, it's something we we cultivate. This perception it's not it's not culturally ours. I mean, we don't we are not culturally conditioned to think that we're sangha, but it, but this is we're culturally can think. I'm culturally conditioned to think I'm an American. So I mean, it's uh, that's. But I'm no longer particularly an American. That's, I haven't lived in America for 30 years. So is that still is that an American all the time? You know, for all these past 30 years, uh, you know, uh, and I don't really think of myself in uh, define myself particularly in that way. It's no longer important. It's no longer po- important category for me to use no longer means very much in terms of, of who I am. But the uh, Sangha is very important to, uh, uh, because it is a refuge and, so, and, it, and it isn't defined in terms of, of uh, sex or class or race or caste, any of these things. It's in terms of, of practice, isn't it? Supatipano, Ujupatipano, Yaya Patipano, Samiji Patipano, those who practice in the right way, those who have integrity and insight. That's the Sangha. So that's a, a, a that's an expansive identity of that which is really good in human behavior. And you can just think of Sangha in a very narrow identity of Bhikkhu Sangha, or you know, we're the Sangha, we're Bhikkhus, we're the real Sangha. Theravada Bhikkhus are the and then we can we can think uh, Mahayana. They're not real sangha. Or when lay people start saying they're sangha, you're not real sangha. We're the sangha. And I've heard this from various directions. You know where people want to fix the sangha is is a you know committed bhikkhus are the siddhas are they really sangha? Well, not as real sangha as the bhikkhus. We're the we're the real thing. <laughs> And that's a gung-ho kind of footballer's attitude towards Sangha. But uh, just think of, but that to me is just another uh, misuse of the word. It's no longer, it's no longer what it really is. It's, it's what you think it is, so it's not, it's not what it is anymore. It's just, it's just your own attachment and your particular definition that, that you fix onto the word. So you know, you contemplate, and then you you begin to to uh, to see it. You don't, you know, definitions have a certain value, but they're not. But as attachments, they can oftentimes blind us to the to the reality of a situation. So it's an attachment again to fixed views or definitions of things, or or what somebody else somebody else's definition of piti and sukha. <coughs> So you're trying to, somebody tells you, I experienced pity and sukha, and then they tell you what it's like, and then you try to, you attach to their view. Uh, so you you already have, uh, uh, you're, you've, you've, you've made it into something in your mind that, uh, that, you've got to, that you've got to get, that you haven't had yet. So then you're, then you're, uh, when, you're, when, you're when you're trying to do that, and you're not aware of what you're doing, then it, it's like you don't even notice what, what it really is when it's happening. You're, you're not aware, because you're looking for something else. 
just like grasping and non-grasping, you know, you know, you know like you can say, the, the Nibbana is the experience of non-grasping, the realization of non-grasping. Well then Nibbana becomes also a, a, a word of great attainment in the Theravada, or in Buddhist, all Buddhists uh, realize Nibbana is, is kind of the ultimate attainment, the big breakthrough, the com complete enlightenment. So Nibbana gets relegated to, to a very high position that doesn't apply to actual experience anymore. It's, it's what you imagine might happen sometime. But also, we're stuck with, with, uh, with views about Nibbana and who's realized Nibbana and who hasn't, or whether you can or cannot, or uh, you know, is it, the, so that the whole thing is uh, you can trivialize Nibbana and make it into just, uh, just you know, uh, any kind of uh, thing, any, any kind of experience you have, or you can make it in, into something so, so ultra super that you just, uh, you know, it's just way over there. You'll never you'll never experience that, that which you imagine is Nibbana. It's just too far out, too impossible. So in reflecting in, in this, this way, you're, you're, you're seeing what you're doing with the words. See what we do with Buddhist terms. As I mean, we're, we're taking oftentimes this, this Buddhist uh, way of thinking from a mind that, that thinks still and assumes from a very Western uh, uh, materialistic or even Christian uh, attitude or assumptions and when we are aware of it so we you get all these kind of silly interpretations of Buddhism through through people through therapy and through <clears throat> through uh, Western view materialist views uh, you know saying that Buddha was was against uh, theistic belief and, and making a case for, you know, Buddha doesn't like ceremonies, Buddha doesn't like chanting, Buddha wouldn't have, wouldn't have, Buddha didn't create the Vinaya. That was all, you know, male chauvinist monks afterwards that, that did that. And so you can, you can, you know, you can define Buddhism and Buddha Dhamma according to your own particular uh, position that you're taking, that you want to prove that Buddha was really a, a liberal uh, uh, rationalist <laughs> feminist <laughs> if that's what it inspires your mind, you know, complete kind of rationality, liberality uh, complete fairness and and all that. Then uh, then we we want to see Buddha in that term. Just like with monks, and you know, it's always disappointing, isn't it, when you when you really get to know a monk or a nun very closely, and if you can keep them at a at a distance to where you can kind of keep them in that aura of uh, of you know they're so they're so sincere, they're so pure, and they're so wise and. And uh, and then you know then you imagine me going back to my room and and sitting there 
realizing nibbana <laughs> and just and being you know a, a kind of ideal person that you that you that you create in your mind of what you you'd like me to be an ideal bhikkhu and then then as you get to know me I don't quite you see things that don't quite fit into your your uh, your view you know there's certain things that aren't uh, you know, you don't particularly like, like, like drinking coffee. Would a, would a really, you know, one who's been practicing all these years, would they really be drinking coffee? <laughs> and would, would they have elephant's tusks in their room? <laughs> Things like this. And so you, you have you know, grave doubts arise or about, or, I mean, those are just kind of obvious ones. But then as you get to know somebody, you, you, you know, you're breaking through the, the, the projections that you create around them and then you're, you're experiencing reality of a, of a person, of a of a human being, an individual, not an idol or uh, this this perfect marble figure on the shrine, but a, a living, breathing, uh, karmically conditioned, uh, flesh and blood, hot and cold, aging human being. They're like this. So, so in in and that, but Dhamma is realizing the way things are. It's not in. It's not. It's not idolizing, it's not creating idols and worshiping ideals, but it's in recognizing the way things are. So, so then, uh, if you're looking for an ideal person or teacher or representative of a religion, and, and we always end up feeling slightly disappointed because they, remember with Lung Po Cha, I used to, you know, I wanted him to be perfect for me. I could see that in many ways I just, I was really, you know, I, I, one side of me, the kind of immature side, wanted Lung Chan not to have any faults at all, to be this perfect. And you read in how they translate Ajahn Chah sometimes, and Jack Cornfield does it, where he's just the all-wise Zen master, you know, and the, the confused monk comes and says, well, and Ajahn Chah spews out wisdom. And, and it's just, you know, this, this, uh, this uh, a lovely story of this, this realized human being that, that was perfect. But if you lived with Lung Po Chah, it wasn't, there were things that you, you found very irritating and uh, could get all kinds of, you know, why does he do that? Would a realized master act like that or this or that? Or, so you're, you know, you're, uh, but you can also see your tendency to do this, like reflective mind, his ability to observe that. You're not, you're not creating perfection into the world. You're, but you're, and you're not looking for it in external things. But you are, but it, and if you are, you become aware of what you're doing. Because that's a very immature emotional need, isn't it? 
to find somebody who will love me for my own true self. Find somebody who will, who will never let me down. Find something that will always be there for me, support me, and, and, and never disappoint me, and always be fair, always be kind, always be loving, and, and always be right. And, and I want that, I want somebody to be like that for me as a, you know, a child's wish, you know, wanting the security of some external uh, deity that is perfect and will love you no matter what you do. But then, uh, uh, so that, that is, you know, a, a, an emotional, uh, you know, this maybe at one level of uh, being a child, it's, it's all right, you know, because those things are, you know, in, in many ways, natural, natural longings for us. But um, also, we're in developing the, the path of the Buddha, you're, you're, you're reflecting on things rather than, than trying to find things to grasp hold of, or trying to find Buddhas as external forms, or find uh, arahants, or find saints, or bodhisattvas, or, or whatever, externally. You, you begin to see that, that, that desire to get hold of something, to have confirmation, affirmation, security given to you from outside. So in, in the, and that, that's what we mean by reflection, you, you, that in you can be aware, that, that is the real refuge in Buddha, is that which is aware of these things, can actually notice, I really want you to be perfect for me. Or I don't want I, I don't want you to be the way you are. I want you to be like I want you to be, and that's what we do to each other a lot. I don't like the way you are. I want you to be otherwise, and yet we don't really think this out very carefully sometimes. We're, but we don't like somebody because they have habits, or or they we we have already developed a, maybe a, a very fixed idea of what they are, and so then we we don't like that. We think that they shouldn't be that way. And so what we're saying is, I don't like the way you are, I want you to be something else. And you, when you really listen to yourself uh, thinking that, it's, uh, I don't, don't, don't want you to be that way, I want you to be the way I, the way I think you should be. That's, sometimes we're very cruel in, in how we relate to each other, how we react to each other because of that. Then in the uh, the the uh, reflections on the Paticca Samu part, that, that to me is very. Uh, uh, I mean, that's a very helpful uh, way of reflecting because you begin to see that that whatever position you start from, you know, this avicca bhajaya sankara. If whatever you grasp, whatever position, whatever doctrine, what no matter what it is, if it's of a, from a if it's the grasping out uh, ignorant grasping of doctrines or views or ideas or opinions, you end up 
with suffering as a result. Because you're always looking, you know, whatever you grasp, then you become like that. And so you're, you're uh, and you don't see what you're doing. So the, the result is always some kind of dissatisfaction, despair. So then the, then the, uh, you can see the Buddha's aim is realizing like anatta or emptiness. Or in Thai, they, they use like the original mind, the derm or the empty mind, or that consciousness that is not, we, we, we're not grasping a perception. Where there's consciousness, awareness, but there's no grasping of perception. Out of ignorance, out of avicca. So that like in the practice of meditation, one is, is really uh, <coughs> contemplating that uh, like the emptiness of the mind, pointing to that, the, the space, the silence. Get to know that as a, as a kind of the place to, 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 to allow yourself to rest in, in, in nothingness, in no-thingness, in emptiness, in non-grasping. Now whether you want to call it Nibbana or not, it's up to you. Realize that there's, there's no grasping right now. But it doesn't help, you know, you go around saying, I've realized Nibbana, it just gives off the, all the wrong messages. Because uh, people then start uh, making too much of it. Like, uh, you know, you may build, put you on, you know, or you start thinking it may be misguided, overestimating. And, uh, and it throws people into a real turmoil about what Nibbana is and who realizes it, who hasn't, and so forth. So that's why it's not so important to, to don't 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 make things don't make a lot out of the terminologies, but go right to the experience, to the to the real thing. So you can actually know. I mean, with mindfulness, then there is ability, as the opportunity to see for yourself what self is and what anatta is and what grasping conditions is like and what non-grasping of conditions is like. And only you can know that. I mean, all my explanations and that is just what they are, they're explanations. It's just somebody else telling, talking or discussing or telling you something, but it's, it's uh, you know, you can't, you know, no, if you grasp what I say and not, and then you miss the point. But they, it's an encouragement toward a, a kind of, don't be frightened to realize Nibbana or to, <laughs> or to be enlightened. I'm thinking you're enlightened. I'm enlightened is another, you know, the idea of, of uh, me as a person. But there is right understanding of things and there is a wrong understanding. There is non-suffering and there you know and there is the unconditioned there is the escape from the condition these are all clear statements it's not a matter of, of saying I'm someone who who has escaped suffering because then that you're thrown right back into the same you know process of, of cultural conditioning and egotistical uh, sounding language so it's not it's 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 this 
it's getting to that very to the very uh, uh, essence, the core of it all. To see that conditioned to realize there's this great we're in is a reflective state. Being a human being is is a, is a reflective position in the universe. And this is in the in this whole universe, this human human condition, human birth. Is is like that's what a Buddha is. Is the ability to reflect and contemplate, to see things as they are within the limits of a human, uh, of human conditioning. Because the Buddha wasn't a, an angel from above or a, a a Superman from outer space. He was born, grew up, got old and died, went through the process of a human of human experience. Got married, he had a baby, he uh, had all kinds of, uh, you know, human experiences. And he wasn't, he wasn't uh, exempt. Even after enlightenment, he wasn't exempt from, from human experiences. You know, those terrible things they used to try to do to him after he was enlightened. Make your blood turn cold. Have somebody have a drunken elephant charge at you, and have a, have your cousin try to murder you, and have uh, people blame you for all kinds of things that you haven't done, and so forth. And it's a, you know, it's what we most dread, isn't it? And life and Buddha couldn't even get out of that. Probably it's easier to get out of it if you, if you aren't a Buddha. <laughs> a lot of it, anyway. You put yourself on the line, and he went out into, into the society to try to help out of compassion. <laughs> but with with religion, if you notice, they all do it. They all. They, they, they exalt, the, the, they make it so high that nobody can realize, no, nobody thinks they can do it. So you, you, you know, you, you just, you've, they made like in Christianity, Jesus Christ into some, some you know, super, superman. And so the thing is, the karma of that is that Jesus Christ becomes a, a swear word. That in, in, in America anyway, you use it as a kind of exclamation. Jesus Christ. And you're not referring to... <laughs> it's not an act of devotion. <laughs> because in some way, Jesus Christ has been too... You know, he's been exalted. He's up on the on the pedestal. He's up. The the teachers. So uh, so that they uh, so that recognize that this is this is a human failing of, of doing that. And when somebody dies, they call it an apotheosis. Somebody becomes. Somebody who is a human being then becomes put up into the stars, up into the sky. 
interesting how like they call them movie stars in America, don't they? The stars, and the, I mean the, these kind of uh, glamorous figures in the in the films, they become stars. They become they have an apotheosis. They're no longer just Mary Brown and Joe Blow. <laughs> they have to spell their names different. <laughs> Put an E on the end of Brown or something. Spell blow uh, in a French way or something. Because <laughs> you're no longer just ordinary person. You, you're a star. And the, note that that is a very strong human tendency to uh, to do that. But then it makes it impossible for us to. If, if that's what our mind does, then, we, then it's impossible for us to, to get beyond that because we're so fixed into this, uh, into this uh, a kind of belief system that we've established. And so the, the, uh, the, the mindfulness, uh, the path to the Netflix is, is, is observing that. If that's what we do, we can observe that. And I'm not even saying you shouldn't do that, but if you find yourself doing that, you can observe. That which observes uh, me making stars out of people, or, or that is, that's the thing to trust, that which observes, not the, not the images you're making and the projections you, you create, you produce. Because they'll always let you down, no matter how perfect you're, you can create an image, it'll always, it's inevitably be a, a great disappointment to you because it's, it's not what it is, it's not like that. Whatever, you know, it's, if, if you're, you know, it's not, that's not the way things are. It's not a viewpoint, it's not a position, it's not fixed, it's not, it's not a, an image of the mind. So in in uh, in practice, you know, your dukkha is one. So they say, to soka parite tuka tomanasa upayasa. There's the there's a natural decay and death of conditions. It's also called dukkha, like jaramarana. Jaramarana is just natural. Uh, Whatever is born gets old and dies, and decay gets old, decays and dies. Things like this is just the, that's just the the way it is. That's not personal yet. Like the body is, it's just this way. It's it's uh, it's it's aging, and so it's it's a reflection on just the way it is. Then the suffering that I might have around getting old is something I create. It's not the body's problem, it's my projection onto the body. Oh, this, this is me, I'm this, I'm this body and it's getting old, I'm getting old. And then, the, then the, the rationale that comes from that view, the, you grasp the view, I'm getting old, and then it takes you to uh, grief or despair or fear.
But there's that in us which can see, can contemplate the body, isn't it? The body can't contemplate itself, like the right hand can't contemplate the left. I can't, I can't get anything out of that one. The right hand contemplating the left hand. Or my eyes contemplating themselves, being able to look at themselves. They can't do it. Eyes can't see themselves. Or, uh, so the body is a, you know, but there is that which can observe the body, that can observe the right hand and the left hand. Can be just aware of it. Before it starts thinking, my right hand, my left hand. It's, it's just this. It's a, you can you can you don't even have to look. You can just think right hand. You can it take this that thought while with your eyes closed. It brings an awareness of that part into consciousness. So so that this this ability to to just contemplate things as they are, bringing into co consciousness is like a, a the the mirror. It's the it's a function in nature. Consciousness, you're born. When you're born, you're conscious. It's a function in nature. It's not... The, the sense of yourself then arises, is conditioned into that. So you, you're culturally conditioned to think, I am uh, Ajahn Sumato from America. And that's, that's... I wasn't born with that. But uh, there's consciousness from birth. And so... And and but to and then to reflect on this, we use perception, we use language, but not as a grasping mechanism. We're not taking a view, but as a reminding or uh, a something that points to the experience. So the images, the the conventions we have, are pointing to something beyond the image itself or the definitions of words. To the real, to the reality of it, and so this is like mindfulness: is ability to, to notice the way it is, to notice if, if you're feeling, if there's anger in your mind, to notice it's like this. Anger is like this. You're feeling lust. Is to know, lust is like this, and to know maybe your your emotional reaction. Uh, Oh, here I go again, or I shouldn't be feeling like this, or, or it's your fault. You're you're the one that makes me angry. It's because of you that I get angry, and that one can observe. That there's this 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 ability to to witness to that, to see to see it, and to to know it in terms of dhamma. Conditions arising and ceasing, not self. So then, in in the, to to not start with the vicha bhajaya sankara is like to to know how to empty to start from zero from from the point of not no thing no grasping, and that helps like with the silence of the mind the ringing silence and the and just getting to to rest in awareness, and listening that state of attention open receptivity of the mind. 
then you, you, it's more easy to become aware of, of, your, of the acts you, you, you're grinding or of the position you're taking. You know, I can feel it. If I've, if I've got an axe to grind or I've got position to take on an issue, <coughs> if I start from that, if I don't see what I'm doing, then I, then I it, it usually, you know, you get carried away and you, you get, you know, it leads into, compli- into confusion. But, but if I stop and, and listen and uh, pay attention and, 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 and rest, in the silence of my mind, knowing that emptiness, then I can uh, I can see the the kind of the thing that that I'm attached to, or the the thing that's that's bothering me, or the or the the, the thing that the, the thing that I'm got to that I'm com- feel I'm very much. Uh, committed to or attached to as a as a as a idea or as a emotion. So then it's like Vicha, isn't it? There's this right understanding of things. You're using knowledge, ability to know things. So then the then the vinyana the namarupa, salayatana, and pasa are just, they're dhamma, it's just the way things are. The, the, the consciousness and, and uh, name and form and sensory experience is like this. And we're, we're, we, ha- we can reflect on, we can re- begin to appreciate it for what it is, rather than, than operate from viewpoints about it, or definitions of it, or or uh, just from our own particular prejudices, biases. So that's an interesting contemplation for me, just to use the Paticca Samupada as a, as, a, as, a, as a kind of the structure of ignorance. And then, and seeing that, you know, how they, they, you know, the, how ignorance affects consciousness. how self-view, how selfishness, how my view, what I think, uh, my fears, my desires, how that affects consciousness. And then then you begin to see how, say, non-attachment affects consciousness. And there's non-attachment to things, to views. How, what, how does that affect consciousness? Because consciousness still is still consciousness operating, and so this is this is for you to to realize, to know, and and see when when you're coming from a self view, consciousness is like this. Everything's interpreted in a in a from the position of 
me and what I think and how things affect me and my sensitivities and my past and my future and, and then that, that whole thing is set into motion of a vicha from the I am this person and then I then the, then the that affects conscious experience in, la, in, in daily life so we're we're always experiencing a sense of being offended or upset or hurt or frustrated or annoyed or angry or feeling of being unloved, unwanted, unappreciated, uh, wanting something we don't have, not wanting things to be this way, uh, becoming infatuated, favoring this person over that person, uh, wanting a permanent relationship, wanting to work out our problems, wanting to do all kinds of things to make me feel uh, safe and secure and so forth and then 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 the that is from the from the view of say avicca of a I'm grasping a view of myself and then what is it like when you don't do that when the when when there's you're not grasping a view to realize the non-grasping and there's consciousness is like this then it's quite pure pure it's the experience of purity because then we've seen things just as they are without the taint the, the asavas influence it poisoning the experience so it's like you're 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 you're, you're wrecking you're relating you're realizing a purity that that we're that is quite with us all the time that's here and now that we, we we're completely blind to when we're caught up from the from the avicca position in that purity of 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 a mindfulness with consciousness and panya wisdom then there's no self there's no I mean and, and but there is awareness of of impurities is impurities but that which is aware isn't impure isn't isn't soiled by the impurities that might be you might observe in yourself or around you it doesn't mean that the purity means that like a, a pure white uh, personal washed uh, anagarika's robe <coughs> that never that will be permanent forever. It's not. I mean, the stains of life are still, you know, one still hears or feels sometimes the arising of anger or the, you know, the feeling of the, these various feelings that come into the mind. But that, but the purity is to know, is, is the knowing of that, not, not, not the uh, attachment to it. You don't attach to impurities anymore. You don't you don't come from the avicca bhajaya sankara, and when we when we do, then we're attaching to impurities, and then of course, then uh, then we uh, end up with grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish. So contemplate this as a as a you know to during this retreat, plenty of time for. Well, this kind of reflection 
And it's not difficult. Not something that is, <laughs> you have to be, you know, a, a super, super person, you know, kind of a, I mean, if you, you know, how many of us think of ourselves as highly attained uh, great beings and on a personality level? I mean that I'm, you know, I'm very gifted, uh, extra special, kind of Burmese previous lives. I'm now this is my last life, and I'm now, you know, just a, so vastly superior to the ordinary humanity that of course I'm going to understand the Dhamma. I've never felt like that. Never, never had uh, any inclination towards thinking of myself as, as in terms of superiority. The problem's always been seeing myself always in, uh, as inferior. That's the conditioning of the mind. Conditioning of the mind, my cultural conditioning is, isn't, isn't prone towards arrogance or as overestimating myself. It's always prone towards picking up the flaws and making a big thing out of every, every stain, everything wrong with myself you know, and, and making it into a big issue the mountain out of the molehill. So that's the, the character tendency is like that. But then the thing with the Buddhist teaching was that it, he did, this is a, this is a teaching for human, manusya, deva manusya. Isn't it? For devas, yes. I'm never identified with devas. Never felt I was a deva, but a human being certainly can relate to that category. I, I'm not a, a you know, a, you know, a, a human. I'm human enough. I like, I like, I, I'm attracted to the good. I love the beautiful, the good, and the true. I'm attracted. I want to be good. I want to be a good person. I want. I mean, I really want. I, as a as a person, you know, as a as an individual person, I want to be good. I want to do the right things. I don't want to. Uh, cause harm to others. This has always felt like that. Never like to, you know, never like to uh, harm or hurt other beings. And I've always inclined towards morality. I like to, I don't like to uh, take advantage of others or, or uh, even though I've certainly been attracted to immoral things, the, the tendency of the life is towards trying to be, develop a moral sense of how to live in this in this society? So, I mean, this is this is human. This is the this I can relate to as a manute manusia. I'm a I I think that, that and they said this is a teaching for a manusia, which is human. Translated as human. So that I can relate to. I can uh, as as a person I can identify with being human. So that gives me the the, the clue. You know, the Buddha says this is for you. You, if you're human, then do this. And so apply it, but it's not superhuman. You know, it's not about, especially evolved human beings that that you don't know anything about. It's, it's about this 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 being here and the and the four noble truths and all this. Apply to this this stuff here, isn't it? It's not talking about states of mind and and. Uh, attainments that no human being could ever, ever experience, or just the very special ones. Suffering, origin, cessation, and path are within the, you know, within the human experience. It's not, 
not for, you know, the elite or the special category of human beings. So my egalitarian attitude, my American egalitarian conditioning, in that way, it's, it's kind of, I don't see myself in terms of a special case. And so the teachings I've, I've had, because it's not, I don't regard Buddhist teaching as being an extreme. I think, well, what is it? What is he pointing to that is right now, here and now? Santitiko Akali Kodama, you know. And that I can realize as within this, with, as, a, as a human individual. And then more and more, by applying that teaching of the noble truth to, to, my, to my experience of life, I began to see what is the suffering, non-suffering, self, non-self, just by contemplating it. Not by trying to control it, but by, by getting the perspective on the, the self is like this, sense of myself, my personality, my ego, is like this, <coughs> and so I'm 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 not trying to get rid of my ego. I'm just uh, trying to to uh, to see it, to know my ego is like this. And then when I let go of that, it's like this. When I let go of these these kind of ego proliferations and and hang-ups about myself. When there's that, it's like this. It feels like this. I'm feeling it. When I'm really egotistical and full of myself, it feels like this. And then when I let go of that, it's like this. So you're knowing, there's a knowing, contemplative knowing of, of the self and the non-self, or attachment to things, identification with things like this, and non-attachments like this. Or sound, in silence, space and form. And then it's up to you to choose which, which, what you want to do. You want to become somebody or you want to develop the, the, the middle way, um, non-attachment, or you want to become a Prime Minister of Great Britain, or want to become a film star want to become just an ordinary uh, farmer or want to become a family person or whatever it's a, uh, you know that's that's up to you to choose you can choose whatever but at least you're you're, you're getting to the you're beginning to awaken to the way it is to Dhamma so, and uh, you know, from from my own perspective, then it makes it very clear that actually there isn't any much of a choice for me, because I have no no you know this the, the 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 suffering that comes from being somebody and from being attached to self and things and views and opinions and and uh, fears and desires is so uh, you know it's it's like fire you burn with it so you. You, you realize you you don't have to uh, burn like that. There's a way 
of that cool way of Nibbana, of non-burning. start off this uh, next week with this as a kind of uh, reflection for you. <laughs> <laughs>